So last week, we wrapped up our annual impact conference, and I loved it. I love watching a church coming together saying, how is it that we can impact the world for Christ? We started with uh, recognizing and getting to know our MPs a bit. We had Gary and Stella Gilbertson, who represent Prepare Ministries. And it's funny, whenever I think of Gary, when you have people share their testimony, somewhere in their testimony is, and then Gary Gilbertson. He has a way of impacting and reaching a lot of lives. And we also had Steve and Robin Osi, who are working on college campuses with crew. And then we set in Paul and Bobby Wichterman, Bobby, our worship leader, and, and Paul, who's part of a whole lot of things, one of our drummers here, they're getting set out to work with Steiger Ministries. We're a church that wants to look out, our church that wants to be used by God to impact our world. And one of the things I loved as they shared was ways that they were talking about how the empowering of the Holy Spirit allows them to do their works. It's not just obedience or drudgery or gritting your teeth, but it's as we're led by the Holy Spirit, God moves through us. Um, on Sunday, we had our keynote speaker, John Michael Sherman, who really brought it home. I loved his preaching last week. I love just that he talked about we need the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. And may I just say that again to us, uh, emphasize that. We want to be people who serve the Lord, but may we always have that humble attitude that says, without God, I can't do anything. You know, somebody once asked me, how many people have you saved? I said, zero. I don't save anybody. Now, I've prayed with people to receive the Lord. But only God saves. Jesus is the one who saves, right? He's the one that does it. And we have the privilege and the joy of being used by him. But man, we need the Lord. So I appreciated the, those messages, getting to know the MPs. One of the things we do in our, in our um, impact conferences are take offerings and talk about personal commitment. Now, why do we do that? It's because we realize that we want our lives in practical ways to be a part of extending the kingdom. And that something we've said in this church for the past 50 years, we've talked about the priesthood of all believers, which means it's not give your money and let the staff do the work. Please, don't look at the church that way. This is how we, as the body of Christ, can join together and our job as leadership is to equip the saints, that's all of us, to do the work. Yesterday we had a time of helping somebody move here at church, and I just loved it. There were 10 guys together on a Saturday morning, working together, hauling boxes, and I said, this is a good, a good moment. And, may we have, and we do have many, many of those at church where we get together, we find a project, some way of showing the love of God in this world. And so I'd like you to take out, I kind of hustled through it last time. I don't know if you noticed, but our services, which normally end by 1120, we were pressing 1135, 1145, and I thought, have mercy on the church, kind of press through some of these things. But I want to circle back to these cards because I believe they're really important to us. As we look through the projects, as I read through the projects, I get excited. I say, Lord, 
use these projects that not just so we can check them off a list, but so that we can really show the world the love of God. I look at the Isaiah 117 ministries right in the middle there. They have a heart to reach people who are working through single motherhood or working through being pregnant and not being married and trying to figure out how we can make it in this world. Isaiah 117, great love and compassion there. I look at right at the top of the middle, illuminate the night. If you've ever participated in it, these are fun nights where we set up uh, a canopy in somebody's front yard and as all the kids come by, now this year, of course, COVID made that pretty impossible. Hopefully next year there'll be more opportunities, but we get a chance to go into what is really quite a dark night and bring the light and love and message of the Lord using the opportunity of our culture to bring Christ into that evening. Um, at the bottom of page one, Hope Force. I'm looking forward, not to the tragedy, but to responding to the tragedies and the crisis that happen in our culture. Um, yesterday, some tornadoes swept through um, the panhandle of Texas. I didn't hear, didn't read all the damage, but I didn't actually read what happened with that, but I saw there were tornadoes. This is what happens in our world. And what we're trying to do, what we want to do is to raise up a team of 10, 12 people, men and women who are trained, that when it happens, we get an email that says, we're setting up shop at this school, in this little town, in Alabama, in Texas, wherever the tragedy happens. Hope Force goes there. They're, they're uh, authorized through FEMA but they're authorized to come and bring and minister in the love of Jesus. And so we want to have some people who are trained that we say, um, who can make it? Four of us on an airplane and we're headed down or in a car driving overnight and we're bringing the love of Christ in practical ways. What I'm going to be preaching on this morning, I'll just give you a, a little light on it because it addresses this. We are people that love Jesus. We are people that want to believe what's right. We want to hold to our doctrine, and we want to put our faith into action. And there are times where I pray for things, and I believe the Lord goes, praise the Lord. We need to pray more, but when you pray, be careful, because there will be times where God will go, amen, you're the answer to that prayer. He stretches us and says, it's not just what you believe, but it's also the action that you take and hope for us, us having a team of what they call reservists excites me that we can be a part of going into towns that and peoples that have lost everything or that have been deeply hurt by tragedies and we can go and shed the light of Christ. One thing I love about this particular group is their focus is ministering to people. They say it very clearly. If you are going there and you have this job to tear out these walls or do this work, sometimes as Americans, we have our agenda, right? Our checkoff list. We want to get it done. They're like, nope, we'll do that. But if the lady's crying, sitting on her front steps and her house is half gone, stop what you're doing. Sit down next to her. Pray for her if you can. Minister the love of Christ. That's what we're about. 
And so this is what our church is about, finding ways to express the love of God to our world in ways that will make a difference. So I encourage you to take a look through these things. We've got some short-term trips lining up this year. People have said, well, how can you do that with COVID? Good question. Praise the Lord, some things are changing. We're believing they're continuing. They're going to continue to change, but we're not just going to wait and then figure out what to do. We're going to make plans. If we have to adjust, then we'll adjust. But we're moving ahead because we believe that that's what we're to do, to take, make plans of how God can use us to make a difference in the world. So take a look over this, please. The second card is our impact fund. We have set a, what I would call a ambitious goal of $90,000 this year. Just because I believe that God can do great things. And I believe that God is amazing in what he wants to pour through this church. One of our values here at this church is we're a generous church. And boy, have I seen that. I see that. I think that's one thing that God wants to do. He wants to flow his resources, his love, his life through us. Um, as of today, with the pledges of last week and some rollover funds and some different things that we've looked at, we're at around 45000 on that 90. Okay, praise the Lord. That's a good start. We're going to be receiving funds, also pledges this week and next week. I encourage you to be praying through this to say, Lord, how would you have me directly invest some of my finances into these projects that are going totally towards outreach? Everything that you pledge this goes towards these kind of projects. Um, this, these are not pledges for the normal running of the church or whatever we do or for salaries. These are for finances that are going to reach the world for Christ. So I want to encourage you all to do something with this, to be a part of this. It was interesting, just I do believe that we can't outgive the Lord. Janet and I prayed about what to give between us, what we gave, but we felt the Lord challenged us to give more. It's always kind of like, okay, Lord, um, you know I got these other things coming up, but talk to Janet. She's like, yep, that's what I was thinking. So, all right, we had unity, and we gave our pledge. And the same week, we were looking at some kind of a, opening some kind of an account with her. We were opening an account with Fidelity, and we went to open the account, and they said, well, you already have an account open there. We said, no, we don't. I'm really good at this stuff, by the way. I said, no, I don't. They said, oh, yes, you do. And I said, no, I'd know if we did. And they said, well, you do. And I'm like, well, how much is it? Well, it took quite a while for them to say, okay, you really are that person. It, we went through about an hour on the phone. Finally, we figured out they were right. And so then we said, well, like, uh, so we'd opened an account in 1998 on something and never thought of it again. 23 years later, we stumble upon it. And said, so, how much you got in there? You know? <laughs> and find out that we had about a step more than what we'd just given in the impact pledge. And I came back and said, you know, I didn't see this coming. And to me, it's just another message of the Lord going, I've got creative ways to provide for you. If you had told me I have a fund I don't know about, I'd say, I'm, I'm on top of these things. I don't miss these. 
Janet's like, yeah, I miss these things, but you never miss those things. Well, I did this time. Praise the Lord. And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly for us above what we ask or think. And I'm not saying you give and God's going to automatically repay you. I'd say that as we flow the resources of God, God provides for us. I just wanted to share that testimony that happened in my life. I heard other ones as well with people, but I haven't got permission to share those. So I just see God doing a work in us, and I challenge you to be a part. We've got these um, bins up here for whatever you're offering. Take the card, look at it, pray with somebody in your family, see what you should give, and I encourage you to be a part. I'd like to see us hit that 90,000 mark so that we can provide the funds needed to do all these projects that God has put in our heart. And the last one is the personal commitment. And this one really goes deep in my heart, that I want to see us be people that get our hands dirty for the gospel. That where are those people that are going, that are serving, that are looking for ways to be involved? And I fully realize that God will lead you to do things that are not on this list. Amen? And this is not the A list and everything else is the B list. Not at all. These are just projects that we've taken on as a church. But God will call you to minister to your neighbor or mow his yard or, or shovel somebody's driveway. And you don't need authorization ever to love people. Amen? I've had people call me like, oh, I'm thinking of praying with my neighbors. Is that okay, pastor? And I'm like, actually, I appreciate the kindness of the call, but it kind of bugs me. I'm like, you don't need permission to love people. Just go be the kingdom of God. Go love on people. You want to start a Bible study in your neighborhood? Please do. Just go take the gospel out. But sometimes we need some structure and some things to help us. We're saying, well, how can I help? How can I serve? And there are some wonderful opportunities here for us to make a difference. I know Janet, my wife, who's over the children's ministry here, she's all excited about you know, we're moving into a new home in June, and she's like, oh, it's a perfect backyard for a vacation Bible school. We're going to reach our neighborhood. And she's already got it all figured out what she's going to do, and that's, those opportunities are available to you. She's got the vision, and I go, praise the Lord, how can we help that? And that's what this is all about. I don't ever want to see somebody say, I wanted to do this project, but I was lacking 200 bucks, and so I didn't do it. I go, no, 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 no. You want to reach out. If funding is an issue, come talk to us. God is able to find the funds we need for literature, for outreach, for what we're doing. If you can pay for it yourself, cool. Let's just find ways to reach the world and let the world know the great love of our Lord Jesus Christ. So take a look through this. Say, hey, maybe there's a place in there for me. I know there is. A way for you to be involved and to get your hands active in serving the Lord. Let me pray for these things. And take these cards in your hand and just say, Lord, tell me what my part is. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that the church provides. But God, even more than these cards or how we fill them out, which are very important, God, I pray that you would make us people who have eyes to see, that are strategically, intentionally saying, Lord, how can my life be used through my finances, through my time, 
do my words to be a part of extending your kingdom. Speak to us even this morning how we are to respond. I trust, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak, even as the message goes on today, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you fill out your cards after the service, you can put them up here. Let's see what God will do. As we think of Christianity, we think oftentimes of a set of doctrines. If you look on our webpage, you will see a statement of what we believe. Very important, extremely important. May I say we've worked hard to craft these statements of belief to be as accurate to the word of God as we can. And it's important when you're joining a church to find out what they believe. Do they hold to the word of God? Do they believe in, in heaven and hell? Do they believe in salvation through Christ? Our doctrine of belief is extremely important. And I would say in that because truth matters. And when I speak of truth, I'm speaking of truth in an absolute sense. The truth is not relative. Remember a man who was seeking the Lord, he was at the Labrie. Have you ever heard of Labrie in Switzerland, a place that Francis Schaeffer established? And he was talking to a mentor. He said, I'm just not sure about this, this issue and this truth and whether I'm really believing it. And, here, and the man turned to him and said, you know, it's true whether you believe it or not. And that really shook him up. He's like, well, no, it's true if I believe it because truth is whatever I believe. The man said, no, no, it's true. You may not believe it, but there is truth. And you just got to figure out if you're going to align yourself to what truth is. So it shook him up, his whole way of viewing truth. Truth matters a lot, and especially in this day where people see truth as relative. We're going to get to that in a different week. But if our faith ends with accurate biblical head knowledge that is devoid of a life lived in service to the Lord, then we have failed. I want to say that again. It's not just believing all the right things. As we believe the right things, then that must change the way we live. And to me, it only makes sense. I can't imagine believing something deeply and living life differently. Those aren't things we should divide in our lives. Really, I'm not sure there are things that we can divide because if you really believe something, you're going to act upon it. James 2.14 speaks exactly to this issue. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that needed for the body, what good is that? 
So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Pretty straightforward. Wasn't pulling any punches, was he? That our faith needs to be seen in the way we live, in the things we do. It's one of the reasons we have the Impact Conference and we have offerings directly towards outreach because it gives the opportunity. Your money represents your life. You work for it. It's under your discretional use, and we want people to have the opportunity to put that into practice. It's one of the ways. Our faith must change the way we think and the way we act. You with me? So, I should be able to, and I won't do this, praise the Lord, but I should be able to take a look at your calendar, whatever your calendar looks like, your Google calendar, your paper calendar, whatever that looks like. I should be able to see how you spend your time and I should be able to take a look at your financial records and see how you spend your money. And if I were to do that, and I won't, hallelujah, if I were to do that, number one, I'd make some of you very nervous for different reasons. But I should be able to tell what's really important to you. I should be able to see how you spend the resources, big R, resources, how you spend it, and that will reflect what is of value in your life. How we live our lives. John Michael Sherman walked us through Acts 1.8 last Sunday. Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So listen to this. The disciples were told to go and wait. First miracle, they actually did it. Amen? How many of you like to wait? So I said, we're going to have a service, we're going to gather, and we're just going to stay until the Holy Spirit shows up. It may be days, it may be weeks, we don't know, but come on and show up. We might not have a whole lot of people because we're busy. There's things to do. We have to get things done. And we said, well, I don't know if I can really do that. But they gathered and they waited. And let's read what happened. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I mean, how many of you have liked to be there that day? I tell you what, I, I yearn for manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I love seeing miracles. I love seeing God show. I love it when we're having prophetic time and you have a prophet that you've never met read somebody's mail and you're going, oh man, how? you see God at work. Those are enjoyable times to watch the Lord move. These guys were in unity. First miracle, oh, you get a bunch of 120 Jewish people are pretty opinionated by tradition. They would call themselves that. And they got together and they were in unity, following Jesus, praying, waiting. Then this wind comes in like a tornado. It must have sounded like a freight train. And then they have tongues of fire, these something like tongues of fire settling on all their... Can you imagine our morning worship, Bobby? 
if this place started to shake and, a, and the, I don't know if we'd all run out or run in. I don't know what we'd do. And then fire begins to fall. I'd say, wow, I would love to be in a moment like that. Signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit. I love it when the Lord heals. And I do believe we have an innate hunger for the miraculous. Any of you ever struggle with your faith? Come on now. Anybody beside me? Um, you ever struggle? You, you, you say something, you, it, you just, you hope it's true? I mean, my mother, dear Lord, probably the most, most saintly women I know, walked with the Lord. She just said to me the other day, sure hope it's all true. <laughs> you know, well, when you're getting close to the door, you're going, yeah, and she goes, but I know it is. But, you know, we, we're human. You're, you're trying to figure it all out. And miracles help us. Help us go, praise the Lord. They confirm things that we believe in our soul. And I believe we're going to see more and more miracles in these days. We have a good list of things that God's done, some miraculous healings that God's done in this church and other things outside the church. And I want to see God move in strength and power and miracles. In the days of Jesus, they watched the lame walking and the blind receiving sight and the dead raised to life. But my question really this morning is, what happened after Pentecost? So they had this incredible, miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And what happened after that? Well, I'll tell you something that didn't happen. They didn't say, this is the way the Holy Spirit moves, and we're going to gather every week and wait for the building to shake and the wind to come and tongues of fire to fall on everybody's heads. Now, I might have done that, but they didn't. They, said, they recognized that this was a powerful move of God, but the, the scripture says the Spirit comes and moves as it wants. It's not something we can box up. And I challenge us as a church that when sometimes we experience the move of God and we go, finally, I know how this works and we want to build a temple to it. We want to put it in a box and say, this is how the Lord will always work because it worked for me and I want you to have it. I want you to experience this life-changing move of God and I'm going to tell you how you're going to receive it. And I think the Lord is very faithful to blow up our boxes sometimes. To say, it's not always going to be in the same way. One of the things I saw in Scripture was when you look at Jesus healing the blind, there's four records of Jesus healing the blind, and all four of them, he did it differently. I think there's a reason for that, because if he did it the same way every time, we'd say, well, this is the way you heal blind people. Whatever that way is, we would lock ourselves into the methodology and Jesus wants ourselves focused and locked into him. To the move of the Holy Spirit, that we are looking to Christ, not looking to something that we can control, some methodology. And so they didn't lock into that, praise the Lord. We read in 
chapter 2, 8 through 13. But what did they do? Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And this sound, at this sound, so other people heard it, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't these all, aren't they all who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. They listed all these different nations, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Let me just say something there. It's important for people to hear about God in their own language. One of the plans of God is that the gospel would go out to every language of the world. That everyone would hear of Christ in their mother tongue. Can you imagine if you all had to learn Spanish to hear about Jesus? How well would that work for you? I've learned Spanish, and I've worshipped in Spanish, and I've preached in Spanish, but you know what? It's still, even for me, it's not my mother tongue. There's something of it that I, I have to translate or work. It's a little harder for me to really grasp some of the messages and truths because it's not my first language. And all these people heard of the wonders of God in their mother tongue. And the gospel was proclaimed to the nations. This was a rhema time of God. If you were Jesus, let's just say God in his plan, he goes, I want the whole world to know of salvation in Christ. How do you do that? How, what's the plan to get the message to everybody? Well, Christ comes. He dies for the sins of the world. His disciples are filled with the Holy Ghost. And all the nations happened to be gathered at that time in Jerusalem. And then he baptizes these disciples and gives them new languages that they're preaching and telling about Jesus. Wouldn't you love to have heard those sermons? What they said in these new tongues when they didn't even know what they were proclaiming. And they spoke in other tongues and these people heard the gospel and in short order, as they traveled back to their homes, the gospel went to the nations. These people became the missionaries that brought the gospel to their lands, to North Africa, to Spain, to, to Europe. And the gospel went around the world. The one thing that happened after Pentecost is the gospel was proclaimed to the nations. It says here, 3,000 were saved. Now that's a good preacher, right? 3,000 people saved. I don't know if it's a good preacher, but it was a move of the Holy Spirit. And people opened their hearts to the gospel message. Second thing that happened after Pentecost, Peter and the others were filled with boldness. They preached the gospel without fear. I want to be delicate how I say this. But... We have a lot of fear in the world today. 
There's a lot of fear and a lot of control of what happens and how we live our lives. And one of the motivating tools that are being used, I'll just say by the enemy, is fear. If I can get you to be afraid, I can move you. I can motivate you. It's a bad way to motivate people. I would hope that as I want to see the church grow in Christ, as I want to see your lives continually move forward in Jesus, I would hope that I would never use fear as a motivating factor. I think the Lord calls us out of love. He draws us. And you see here that when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit fell upon him, they were not afraid. I mean, this is Peter the wimp, right? This is Peter who says, I don't know the man. It's not me. You're wrong. He's, he's so afraid of what's going to happen to his life. And now we're just talking short time later, Peter stands before thousands of people in Jerusalem. Can you imagine how loud he was preaching? No megaphone, no amplification system, and Peter is probably shouting at the top of his lungs, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. You think the enemy was still around? Sure. Were there still guards? Oh, yeah. Was he still at risk of being killed? Absolutely. And he was unafraid. He stood with boldness. And that doesn't happen just because, well, you're supposed to do this. This didn't happen out of duty. This happened out of being empowered by the Holy Spirit where his life was no longer, his highest priority was not saving his life. His highest priority was preaching the gospel and letting people know of life in Christ. I think of the scripture, Revelation 12, 11, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. It means they went, sure, they may kill me, but this is what needs to be said. And they spoke and they acted in power. The scripture tells us, or tradition tells us, that 11 of the 12 disciples died as martyrs. So it wasn't that they had some spiritual force field around them that protected them from all harm. It was that they did not feel the need to protect their lives. That's boldness, guys. That's boldness when you can go into any area and that your bottom line is not, is it safe? But your bottom line is, is God calling me to do this? And when you get there, there is a freedom in life that you don't experience prior to that. It's that sense of, I can follow the Lord and trust him with my life. We talk about, I give my life to Jesus. Who wants to come to Jesus? Who wants... Can you give your life? And we raise our hands and we open our heart, whatever that means. But I believe that when you give your life to Jesus, you are giving your life to Jesus. Because there's someone else in charge of my life and it's no longer me. And therefore, we can go places and do things being led by the Holy Spirit, even though it's a risk. 
And I think that's part of what we found by, hear me clearly, some people in this, what we've seen is in this COVID pandemic, we've seen people live in great fear. And I need to absolutely qualify that. I know there are people who are being very careful and it's not because of fear. So be careful lest you put everybody in the same box. I know people are being careful out of love, careful out of situations where they need to do that in obedience to Christ. Hallelujah. But I also know there are people who are living in great terror. Hold away because I might die. And when you have freedom over your life to give your life to Christ because he is the one that is the Lord of your life, then there's an incredible freedom. And Peter experienced this. He's like, they may kill me, but let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the Lord who has come. And he was bold because he'd been empowered in an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Number three, what happened after Pentecost is 3,000 people came to Christ. Salvation should follow. When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just for us. Amen? This is not to make you a super Christian. This is not to give you a badge that says, I've received, have you, in the sense of I'm that special club. That is not who we are. Someone gives you a hammer and a saw and a something to work with. You've been given tools. Praise the Lord to be used to build something. It doesn't make you special because someone gives you a tool. But it does give you a responsibility to use these tools to build, to build the kingdom of God. And they were given these tools, and 3,000 people, wow, 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. And lastly, the church, the New Testament church, was born out of their encounter with the Holy Spirit. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They walked in unity. 3,000 new believers. Tell me that wasn't messy. Trying to figure out where to meet. They didn't have beautiful buildings. They didn't have auditoriums. They had houses, and they're trying to figure this out. And There surely was issues and conflict, but there was unity. And that happened because their love for Christ and their care for each other was far greater than anything that was trying to tear them apart. And that's what God has for us. So, my prayer is that we would be those who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That God comes and changes us, heals us, cleanses us, gives us his tools, and that we then say, Lord, help me with what you've given me. Use these tools to be a blessing. Use these gifts to build the church. Use these gifts to reach those who have yet to call upon your name. And that's what God has for us. May we be those that are full of the Spirit and saying, God, use me to make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your filling. God, you have blessed this church in so, so many ways. And God, I pray this morning that you would speak to each and every person. 
I believe that most, maybe all, are walking with you, God. Use, you've given us gifts, given us your spirit. Father, show us how to use those gifts, how to use the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be a light, to show your love, to reach a world that's in desperate need of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be together today. Thank you, those who are joining us online. Amen. And uh, I'll be out at the table on the left-hand side. Love to meet you if you're new to us today. And if you'd like someone to pray with you in any area of your life or someone to seek the Lord with you, right through those doors over there, there'll be people in our prayer team ready to pray with you. Let's go and shed the love of God, shine the light of Christ to a world in great need. God bless. Have a good week.